Hello, and welcome to Homegrown KC, a podcast dedicated to exploring Kansas City's fascinating history and sharing stories from a church past. I'm your host, Laura. Join me today as we explore a piece of Kansas City's history. October, and that means pumpkin spice is at its apex, leaves are falling, and it's time for your flu shot. Now, before y'all start yelling at me that it doesn't work, or you always get sick after you get the shot, first off, everyone who tells me that in real life, y'all are someone who hasn't had a shot, a flu shot, since you were a child. So, I call BS. Also, there's no live virus in the vaccine. I have no idea where that came from. That's not how vaccines work. If you get immediately sick after the vaccine, you know, maybe there is something in it that your body's reacting to, but it's not the flu. Or if you actually do end up with the flu, you already had the virus in your body a day or two before you got the shot. It just takes time, you know, before you get sick, before you show symptoms. You know what I mean? Or it could be a cold, which is a bacteria or something else entirely, like 99.9% of the time, it's not the vaccine. Uh, BTW, this goes for COVID vaccines as well. Oh, you did get your COVID vaccine? Okay, good. Good for you. Did you also get the booster? Okay, well, if not, you really should. And guess what? COVID vaccines don't protect you against the flu, and flu vaccines don't protect you against COVID, so you really need to have both. Now, if you're still thinking, okay, Laura, the vaccine doesn't give me the flu or COVID, whatever, but it doesn't stop me from catching the flu later in the winter. Well, fun fact, both of these viruses mutate very quickly, aka they change really rapidly. That's why we had so many friggin' variants, alpha, beta, delta, omicron, etc. So scientists who study viruses, they do their best to guess which strand is going to be the most predominant each year of the flu, right? And so then they can tell who's ever making the vaccine, you know, prepare against ABC. They're not always right, y'all. They're not always wrong. Doesn't mean they're wrong, but they're not always right. Um, you know, because they change the virus uh, so quickly, because there are so many different ones, you know, if you really do get the flu after getting the shot, could be it's a different strand. Um, fun fact. <laughs> Actually, since we're talking about this, did you know that the virus, the strand of the virus from the pandemic of 1918-1919 is totally, totally different from the ones that we have today? Like, if that ever reappeared in today's society, it would decimate us. It would kill millions of people just like last time, just like COVID did. You know, if you don't care if you get the flu, alright, whatever. You're hopefully pretty healthy. It won't affect you much, just, you know, make you feel like roadkill for a week. But if you won't get vaccinated for yourself, will you do it to help your immunocompromised friend, family member, neighbor, coworker? You know, there's an estimated 3% of the U.S. population that's immunocompromised. And we have 329.5 million people in the U.S. So that's almost 10 million people. That's 9.87 million people. Um... And I'm saying point because I don't want to say 100,000. So 
you know, you might only feel like roadkill for a week, but it could seriously ruin them. Like, it could even lead to their death. So be a nice human who cares about other humans and please get vaccinated. Thank you. I'll get off my soapbox now. Back to the fact that it's October. Um, we're experiencing pretty nice weather. I am happy to see the leaf change. It's pretty. I'm very sorry to see that it gets so dark so quickly and to... I'm I'm happy it's not 100 degrees anymore, but man, I don't want to be facing 60 degree days like we have been. <laughs> um, but we did have our first frost advisory Friday night, which means, fellow gardeners, that it is time to ready your garden for winter. Um, I have kind of started. I'll be doing more soon. And speaking of gardens, my community garden that I volunteer with really needs volunteers for November 5th, Saturday, November 5th, from 9 a.m. to noon. If you live in or near the Argentine Turner area, I hope you can come out and help us. We're going to be planting silver fruit trees. It's very exciting. we got peaches, pears, Asian pears, jujubes. We're also getting bush cherries and blackberries. We have a playground on the property for kiddos. There's also going to be a craft table. Uh, we're going to have donuts and coffee for breakfast and soup and fresh bread for volunteers for lunch. Yours truly is going to be making one of the soups because I'm an awesome cook and I love to cook. If you need more details, um, check out one of my social media pages. I've got the advertisement for that up. Or you can look up the Hub Argentine on Facebook or Google. Okay, so time to tell you about yesterday's adventure. So cool. I had so much fun. I went to the Japan Festival at JCC. JCCC. Yeah. It's kind of like KCKCC. You never know how many C's to say. Um, anyways, I went with my friend Lillian yesterday because we went to the Ethnic Festival together back in August and we saw Three Cheryl's Taiko perform and they were just so cool. Like, we were astounded. And they're like, yeah, we're going to be at the Japan Festival. So we're like, okay, we'll see you there. Um, this was the 24th annual Greater Kansas City Japan Festival. And legit, the first time I've ever even heard of that. How is this the first time I've heard of it if it's been going on for 24 years? It was put on by the uh, Heart of America, Japan American Society, which started in May of 1962. Their mission is to, quote, further understanding between the peoples of Japan and greater Kansas City area by promoting social, cultural, and educational exchanges, end quote. They're active in Wyandotte, Douglas, Leavenworth, Jackson, Cass, Clay, and Platte County. The festival was first held on September 13th, 1997 at UMKC and they moved to JCCC C, C, whatever you know what I mean Johnson County in uh, 2004 so um, JUCO is a much much nicer campus than UMKC and as someone who attended both I can say that with first hand knowledge because JUCO doesn't have uh, I mean they, they offer free parking right UMKC no free parking anywhere you can't even park on the street next to it um, it's, it's smaller and more compact. So even if you have to walk from one end to the other, it's not as bad as if you're walking from one end to the other of UMKC. And all the buildings at JCC are interconnected. Like they all have walkways. So there's no going outside between buildings when it's freezing outside. Like there is at UMKC. It's very nice. Anyways, um, the festival is so, so, so much. This really needs to be a two-day event. Not kidding. You know, a three-day full weekend would be even better. But being held at a college, I don't know, maybe that makes it more difficult. And several of the performers are from out of town, so that might be why it's still only one day. 
But there was so much. I was there for five hours. Didn't even see probably a quarter of what was available. I was thinking before I went, you know, what does the average U.S. citizen know about Japan? And how did they gain this knowledge? Okay, so they probably got all of their knowledge about Japan from pop culture. So Japan and pop culture includes, in no particular order, sushi, Godzilla, sumo wrestling, kimono, geisha, anime, manga, um, this might be from your history class, but, you know, Team Evil and World War II. Samurai's Ninjas, and maybe you know the name Yakuza. For those of you who don't know, Yakuza is the Japanese Mafia. I actually don't know much about them, but I do remember that the show Deadliest Warriors featured them in one episode. Do y'all remember that show? It was so cool. It came out in, like, 07 or 08. My friends and I used to binge watch it on the weekends when we were in college. Anyway, there is so much more, so much more to modern Japanese culture than what I just listed, and like a hundred times more than that to their history. I can't even get into the details of all of it here, so don't worry about that. We're just going to talk about the festival in a minute. Um, I never studied Japanese history in high school, like just Asian history was not covered, period, that I remember. Um... And I don't remember if it was even ever offered as a course in college. Um, if it was, you know, I missed it because at the time I was just way too obsessed. Okay, <laughs> the appropriate amount of obsessed with um, ancient history. But it was to the exclusion of all others, which I now regret a little bit. I really wish that at some point in my life I had studied this because this was so cool. And I really want to know more now. So... The festival itself. Um, they did have a kimono exhibit. Man, I didn't realize. They are just so beautiful. Um, and there was a demonstration in a closet size of a lecture hall. This was ridiculous. Seriously, the room only fit like 30 people. And we got there. It's, it was supposed to start at like 2.30. We got there at 2.20. She's like, oh yeah, it already started and it's full, but you can sneak in. And we opened the door. We couldn't even walk in because it was so crowded and the, with people standing in the back. So we totally missed that. Um, and they just, they should have known that it would be more popular and put it in a bigger room, frankly. Um, they had a few academic lectures. I missed those. There was one about um, like trains and how that's changed Japanese culture. There was one about the history of ninjas with, uh, or Samurai is one of the two. That would have been really cool. Um, there was something about Japanese game shows, too, which I was like, wow, I didn't realize that was a big thing, but apparently it is. It's not just America. Um, they had a Zen meditation demonstration of workshops, calligraphy workshops, origami workshops. They had a puppet theater, a children's parade. There were, like, I don't know if it was a, a lecture or a workshop, but stuff for teachers on, like, how to incorporate all of this into teaching in your classroom for K through 12. That's awesome. Um, there was a bazaar. There was um, an anime movie marathon the entire day um, and a cosplay contest that night. There was classical music performances, pop music performances. Didn't see any of that. That's well, I, can, I honestly, I couldn't even see all of that next year. That's going to be like the next two or three years. I'm going to have to break it up and see all of that. We did see Three Trails Taiko and Denver Taiko perform, which had been our number one. 
And again, if you didn't listen to my um, ethnic festival Minnesota adventure, you ought to. Um, but Taiko is basically Japanese drumline. And it's just, it's amazing. Y'all gotta Google it. Look it up on YouTube and watch it. Um, they had a small demonstration afterwards where they invited folks up on stage and they showed you a couple of quick beats. And so, like, everybody was in line. You got to do a few and then move to the back of the line and move up. Um, I did not participate in that. I just watched it, but it's still really cool. I tried to record a video of Taiko because at the Ethnic Festival, like, my phone was so full. I forgot to um, get rid of all my photos before we went that... I didn't have enough space for a video and I was halfway through a video of three trails Tycho and this woman appears in my ear like really loud. No videos allowed. I was like, oh my God. So yeah, I was a good person. I deleted it. I probably could have just been like, okay, and turned it off and kept it. But I did get pictures though. We watched a traditional tea ceremony, which had been my number two. I am obsessed with tea, frankly. I knew nothing about a traditional tea ceremony. I thought that it would be like, you know, just a simple, here's how you mix it, you know, and share. Um, you know, I figured it'd be a, a little ritualized, but it was like highly ritualized. And I figured it was a class thing, right? Like only the upper class, the wealthy can do it. And that's how it started. But um, it's been available to people of any class, which, why do we still have class in the 21st century? It's BS. Anyways, um, it's been available to anyone who wants to participate for hundreds of years. Um, let me back up a step. Okay, so the tea master, Yoko, she was really wonderful. She grew up in Kyoto, Japan, and she started studying traditional tea ceremonies when she was 14. Um, she studied a couple of different ones because there's like three different um, traditions, I think she said. And she is a certified tea master. She now lives in Colorado, and she has her own tea house, and she teaches traditional tea ceremonies. And she was so great because she gave us a history of tea and its, um, like, how it was introduced to Japan and the role that it's played in Japanese history and the evolution of tea ceremonies before she even began. And then as she was preparing the tea, she was explaining every step and the meaning behind it. So like I was saying, I thought it would be like, yeah, okay, it's ritual. But it was, it was even more ritualized than I realized. Like there was meaning behind everything. Um, so she's like, everything's clean, right? But I'm going to ceremonially clean all of my utensils while my, um, my guests are watching. Um, just to be like, I am, this is how I show respect to you that I'm removing the very last bit of dust that appeared after washing and all of her movements are very deliberate, right? As she's, um, pouring the cold water into the hot water to cool off the temperatures as she's stirring the tea, which is, um, it's matcha. Have y'all heard of matcha? So you know, there's green tea and black tea. I did not know this, but according to uh, uh, the new knowledge that I gained from watching her, green tea and black tea are the exact same tea leaves, but green tea has been dried immediately after harvest while black tea is left out in the shade 
so that the leaves basically ferment a bit. And then when they turn black, then they're dried. No idea. Totally thought it was different. So now I'm like, man, how do we get white tea and red tea? What is that process? Anyways, different subject. Um, where is I going with this? Matcha is a green tea that has been turned into a powder. And then you mix it with really hot water. You whisk it together. Um, it's getting really popular in America in the last few years. I mean, maybe it was popular longer than that. I was only made aware of matcha two or three years ago, I think. Personally, don't care for it the one time that I tried it. But maybe I need more exposure. Anyways, um, you know, once you pour it, then... It's handed to you, and like that's highly ritualized because the the bowl it's not a teacup, right? It's like a little bowl, and it's intricately painted and designed. And there's one side that is more highly decorated than the other, and that's considered the front, right? So like the person who's carrying the bowl to you, the front is facing you, the guest, and then they turn it and they sit it down. And then so that it, the front is now facing them. And then when you pick it up, you turn it so the front... No, wait, I said that backwards. Sorry, hang on. Starting over. Okay. It's facing you. They set it down. They don't turn it. When you pick it up, then you turn it. There we go. So that when you drink, you're drinking the bowl and the front is facing them. It's all about honor and respect still. And then you sit it down. And when you sit it down after drinking the tea, you know, you have turned it again before you hand it back to them. It's just, it's all, it was beautiful, beautiful to watch. Um, and so, like I said, before I started rambling about this, I thought that it was a class thing, right? And it did start that way, like I said, but the main purpose behind the tea ceremony still is, and always has been, spiritual in nature. I would have said, sure, there's a little bit of a spiritual aspect, but no, it's like all spiritual, which is very cool. So again, new knowledge gained from watching Yoko um, and listening to her speak. Zen Buddhism was the primary influence behind the original creation of the tea ceremony, and the four main principles of the ceremony are harmony, respect, purity, and tranquility. Super loved watching her do all this, learning this information uh, about Japanese history and culture. Uh, I would love to participate in a traditional tea ceremony someday. <laughs> the other thing that we saw was um, several different traditional Japanese martial arts. So there were workshops for all of these too, which I did not attend. Again, maybe next year. Um, we watched Kenjutsu. I hope I'm saying this right. Um, which is a martial arts form that uses a wooden sword. Then Kendo, which also uses a wooden sword, but this one is made of bamboo and also includes full body armor, whereas the other one does not. So the style that of the martial art and the sword forms are totally different. Truthfully, I got a little, and not disrespectful in, in any way here, but I got a little bit of a hint of um, like Japanese lightsaber form when I was watching the Kendo sparring and the body armor kind of reminded me of the Imperial Guards for some reason. It, it looks nothing like the Imperial Guards. I don't know why that was my first thought. Then we saw an Aikido demonstration and finally a Tissenjutsu, which is a martial arts form that utilizes a fan. You know, the, the wooden fan that you flip out 
and everybody tries to flip it, we can't really do it. <laughs> um, I've never seen Aikido before. I thought it would be like just Krav Maga or something, like a really intense version of karate. But it's totally, totally different. So Aikido is all about balance and flow and using your opponent's weight and movement against them to break their hold on you, avoid attack, and to subdue them. There are no attack forms at all. Uh, Tessenjutsu is similar in that it's about using their, your opponent's weight against themselves. But this fam, so on the front, it's all pretty great. And then when you flip it on the back, the, I'm not even sure what you call it, the, the bones of the fan are 13 extremely sharp blades. And so when it's out, you can slice and cut with it. Or if you fold it up, those 13 points, you know, together they make one big point. You can stab someone with it, or you can turn around and stab them with the bottom of the fan. So it's very deadly. <laughs> um, I really wanted to see this one because it is the form used by the Kyoshi Warriors in Avatar The Last Airbender, which I'm also obsessed with. Um, yeah, of course, if you are a fan, you know that Brian and Michael did a shit ton of research and all of the martial arts forms are based on real forms. I ended up looking up um, some competitive performances of Tessenjutsu on YouTube last night, and that was even better. It's just, it was a beautiful, deadly dance. Y'all gotta look it up. Um, just type in martial art fan into YouTube. That was my adventure in a nutshell. I had so much fun. I can't wait for next year. So if y'all live in or near KC or within a reasonable driving distance, you really ought to go next year too. And make sure you buy your ticket online ahead of time so that you can get inside quicker. Because we got there, we, we had bought our tickets online, thankfully. We got there, there was a really long line to, to buy your ticket while you're there. Uh, also, make sure you get there early. Because we got there at 11, it started at 10. And we drove around for a good 10 or 15 minutes before we finally found parking on the other side of campus. And then I had to walk all the way across campus to get to the event. Seriously, there were so many people there. There had to be at least as many people there as there had been at the Ethnic Festival. But this was indoors in a smaller space, and so it felt like there were more. Check out my social media pages to see photos from the event. I hope you'll consider becoming a financial supporter of the show. There are several ways you can do so. You can subscribe to patreon.com slash homegrownkc or redcircle.com slash homegrownkc. You can also give a one-time donation at redcircle.com slash homegrownkc or coffee.com slash homegrownkc. That's ko-fi.com. You can give as little or as much as you want. If you become a monthly subscriber to Homegrown KC, you'll get charged on that day and then on the first of every month following. And if you become a patron supporter, you get three things. One, an item from the merchandise store valued at $5 or less. A shout out on every episode and social media post. So thank you, Bjorn, Joan, and Gina for your continued support. And you get access to exclusive bonus episodes featuring local historians, archivists, and museum experts. Uh, for example, currently available is my conversation with Dr. Ann Robb, who is an archaeologist. Um, that will only be up for, I'm trying to think here, I think two more weeks. So if you're listening to this, um, you know, check it out as soon as you can. Um, 
Also currently available that's usually a Patreon episode is uh, Redlined KC, which is a conversation with Andrew Gustafson from the Johnson County uh, Museum. Yeah, Johnson County Museum. Um, And it's all about their exhibit on redlining. That will be available until December 31st, so you got a couple more months there. Um, third example is my conversation with Second Chief Louisa Libby of the Wyandotte Nation of Kansas. That one is available to everyone and will remain available to everyone because it was important to me that uh, she tell the story of her people. So anyways, um, those are just the three that are currently available to the public once in a while. I do make it available to y'all, but I have several more that is just available on Patreons. So uh, if you want to check out more cool content, I hope you'll become a subscriber. Also, if you give a one-time donation on Kofi, coffee, sorry, um, 1% automatically goes to fight climate change, which is something I'm very passionate about. If you can't support me monetarily, which totally get, you can still support me, by following and subscribing to the show on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Tumblr, and Twitter. also have a YouTube channel, which I'm hoping to make more use of in the future. I'm Homegrown KC on all of them. Uh, also, make sure you rate and review me on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. You can visit my website for additional information on each topic. That's homegrownkc.wordpress.com. You can also sign up for my newsletter there. Once a month, you'll get an email that talks about you know what's coming up with the podcast, what's new. Um, I may do some giveaways in the future. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or episode suggestions, I'd love to hear from y'all. You can email me at homegrownkcpodcast at gmail.com or DM me on any of my social media networks. If you want to check out what merchandise is available, you can go to zazzle.com slash store slash homegrown underscore kc store. Again, that's z-a-z-z-l-e dot com slash store, slash homegrown, underscore, Casey, underscore store. Thank you goes out to my talented sister-in-law, Sarah McCombs, for the creation of my logo. To the dear missus for the use of their song, Kansas City, as the intro and outro music of the show. And to local libraries, which enabled me to gather all my research. Thanks for listening. Cheers.
Late Show.